Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. Yo, I'm Dan. And we are here discussing the last pre-merge episode of Survivor, Island of the Idols. I was born last night, but not last night. What an iconic um, quote to do this episode for. Uh, Just something he said in Survivor All-Stars again. Why are they giving Boston Robin Sandra episode titles when you have some killer lines in this episode? I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess maybe they're going to come back in at the merge. That's why yeah. we have a pre-merge juror. All the pieces are fitting together. <laughs> yeah, they wanted a nice, even 13-person jury. So, yeah. yeah, I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like a good 5% of this podcast is complaining about the episode title. Um, but... <laughs> I th- I thought this one was particularly egregious because he also said it just kind of like mumbling and passing. Mm-hmm. And it's like about Sandra referencing a women winner. It didn't even but... make sense. Like, what was he trying to... Was he saying he does think there's going to be a female winner? Was he saying he doesn't? We don't know. It was cryptic. I think he was saying the former, but yeah, it wasn't clear. And I, I did not remember this from All Stars, but yeah, so... Yeah, episode title, not that great. The episode itself, uh, like, chef kissing fingers, so good. Like, it's one of those you watch and then you're like, this is why I watch Survivor. Like, front to back, it was just great moments all the way around. Absolutely, completely agree. And I feel like last week, a lot of people were really heralding it. And we had, like, some positive things to say, but then some really, really negative things. But I feel like this was just the complete package. I feel like you got amazing character beats. You got long-running stories coming to an end or starting or continuing. And you got some of the most, like, interesting strategic gameplay that I think we've seen in years. I really feel like this was a truly incredible episode of television. Uh, Again, yeah, it's, like, why I love Survivor with a terrible episode title to remember it. So like in Reddit (laughs) threads in the future, when I'm arguing that this is one of the better episodes of television that survivors produced, I'm going to have to say that it's called, I was born last night, but not last night or not that whatever I was born at night, but not last night, Mm -hmm. but I'll, I'll deal with that because this episode was pretty dang perfect. I don't know how much better you could have made it. I feel like everybody got to do something. Everybody got some sort of role and it was just a highlight reel or like a highlight showcase for an amazing character that Kelly has turned into and mm-hmm. reminding us how awesome Janet is. Yeah. Just, I feel like survivor sometimes goes into like chess pieces and moving them around. This was very character driven. It was about each person, what they bring to the table and what happens because of them, as opposed to there are just these groups of numbers and this is how the vote's going to go. It was very, lots of moments talking about why people were they where they were, where, why they're together, all sorts of stuff like that. And I just loved it. I laughed out loud multiple times. Uh, so good. Yeah. I, and I feel like they did enough like small funny things and emotional things. I feel like one thing that perfectly sums up what was so great about this episode is in most Survivor seasons, what you get in the Lauren Tommy moment when they're trying to throw blame on Dan, what you see is instead them just say, oh, I'm going to, like, these two people are trying to do it, how silly, but this one builds builds up their relationship. It shows them laughing and joking, uh, what they, why they mean a lot to each other, why they need each other in the game, and mm-hmm. then it goes to show them failing. Uh, the whole thing's built around how much they like each other, rather than they have, there are strategic tools to use in the game of Survivor. It was, yeah, like, even every character, every strategic thing in this was 
driven by a separate character motivation, which is how you tell a story. Yeah, yeah, it was just very much something happens and then stuff happens because of it, as opposed to this is just how the game is proceeding. And I really appreciated that. Absolutely. Like people always say, we always say that this is a social game. In order to understand the strategy, in order to get to strategy, you have to understand why people like these people. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this is the first episode where we got to see Tommy's personality, really. Like him laughing with the chickens, uh, poking fun (laughs) of them earlier. Like that was hilarious, good character moment. And then like, oh, I get why Lauren likes this guy. I get why people are charmed by him. I probably would be too. They actually let us see his personality instead of just telling us that people like him. Mm -hmm. Of course, it was the great moment at Tribal Council uh, talking about the notion of a women's alliance and whether that's sexist or not. I thought they did a really neat thing when that's going to be brought up. They sort of foreshadow it in the um, pre-Tribal Council like strategy talk. Like the guys are talking about, we as guys got to stay there. And then you don't think of anything of it. And when I was rewatching, I was like, oh, yeah, we just sort of did assume that was okay and go from there. Yeah, that was brilliant. I noticed that on the first watch. That's something I was kind of proud that I was like, oh, this is going to be some foreshadowing. I did not expect them to go that hard on it. I figured it was just merge foreshadowing. But like, that's the kind of thing that separates this episode from a regular episode is the conscious decision making on how to layer the story so you actually get to understand like what what they're saying. It backs up Kelly's point. It shows why she has actual like logical ground to stand on there. Mm-hmm. And I think all of this is because, okay, sure, Island of the Idol sucked up some time, but no reward challenge. So you get more time to just deal with stuff. And I thought Island of the Idols this time was actually good. Um, they could develop yeah. Janet in an interesting way. So I had no problems with it personally. Mm-hmm. It felt really nicely placed too. Like it felt earlier than usual and it didn't take up too much time. It did what it needed to. And yeah, it was a good scene overall. Yep. And I also like one thing that I feel like we've talked a little bit about in the past. Very rarely do you see, like, I think the the real premise of um, Island of the Idols or something like that should be similar to kind of the plot synopsis of a sitcom where um, if you watch a sitcom, basically there's going to be an A plot and a B plot. And in the end, you realize that they're both kind of about the same thing. I feel like Island of the Idols should be used as that. I feel like in this episode, we saw it perfectly match the actual gameplay that we saw um the whole the whole episode was about calculated risk the players like lauren and tommy were trying to figure out how to fix their situation and get dan thrown under the bus kelly was trying to figure out how to take a risk while mitigating risk that's another word for calculated risk Mm -hmm. um i feel like this is one of those brilliant usages of it where they actually were able to center the narrative around the lesson that boston robin and sandra were teaching janet yeah, yeah, I think ideally it would be great if they could always correspond to one another. I think here in this season, or at least the way I'm feeling right now, is that it's more being used to emphasize important characters, our winner contenders. Like, when it matches up, that's when you need to pay attention and be like, oh, this is important. This is an important thing we need to keep in mind. Absolutely. I mean, it, it helps when the lesson is calculated risk and not invade the enemy camp for no reason (laughs) um it's much easier to tie a narrative around that when it's actually about something uh crazy how that is but i'm i want to see what boston rob was doing with that like dice game like whatever it was gonna be (laughs) i wish we could have seen that it would have been a little funny um Mm -hmm. 
it was a little intimidating just seeing Boston Rob with like three dice be like, want to play a game, Janet? <laughs> I thought it was when Janet refused and he says, why? It was just very scary. Like both times I watched it, I was like, oh, he's kind of like, it seems like he's mad at Janet. Like, why didn't you play my game? And obviously he's not. He was very appreciative of what she did but yeah it reminded me a lot of like willy wonka and the chocolate factory spoiler alert for that movie but at the end <laughs> willy wonka goes through all hard, like ham on charlie really digging into him and it's like oh because i appreciated you and i wanted you to show that you did the right thing um it felt like that to me um but i have a question for you joseph okay basically i was watching this episode and obviously we leave that scene sandra talks about how great janet is how she's totally a winner contender in my opinion, did Janet not just do something tremendously dumb? She's in a strong majority on her tribe. Um, so even if she loses her vote, who cares? Um, separate to that, she's scared. Like she's thinking about the calculated risk of leaving a tribal council. She could just not use it. Like that would be one thing you could do or worry about getting voted. Like her thing is like, well, if I'm going to get voted out, I'm going to get voted out anyway. Why not try to survive one more? I, to me, this, I feel like there's been a lot of, discussion around this episode because there's so much strategy but i don't want to miss this before we we obviously go into the bigger main event kind of stuff i feel like what janet did was super stupid lazy play like passive play that just got like heralded for no reason i think it is smart to discuss it here because i think i was going to just gloss over it and be like yeah janet explained it really well so i agree i think it was a good move but Yeah, I think there is some sense to it that you just don't have to play it. I don't know if maybe she thinks, oh, if it's there, I can just use it as an easy get out of jail free card as opposed to getting into whatever situation I need to and getting out of it with my own merits. I don't know. And like losing our vote, it obviously, if the plan had gone through as it was supposed to, it wouldn't have been a deal either way. But I don't know. I think we've always sort of seen Janet in this podcast as someone who has just been in an amazing position all the way throughout this pre-merge. And to me, I think it just sort of made sense for her to be like, no, don't need to do anything that rocks that boat. So the question, though, is how does this rock the boat? She can still go back and say, oh, nothing happened. Um, Right. Like she doesn't need her vote in this tribal and that's the worst case scenario i don't know i feel like this is the one where i feel like multiple times it's made sense to refuse this is one of the ones where i was like a free shot at the next one who's actually going to be mad if you use it but separate to that why like you don't have to use it so if you don't use it i don't know i thought it was very very silly i was very annoyed seeing it hyped up especially as such a stark contrast to what survivor seems to be trying to push into these people like make big moves make big moves this is the opposite of that this is like Mm -hmm. This is Laurel thinking, Joseph. (laughs) It's my favorite. That's why I love it so much. But I think there's also a case for it's hard to play. Like, what if you waste it and then you've lied to your tribe, you've left tribal. It's just like, nah. But it is sort of sad that it's this power, which I think people have sort of dreamt up already and considered. And it was almost here in the game and then Janet refused it. So we don't actually get to see this. What did they call it? Like... Uh, the worst name in the entire world. It was like uh, adva- advantage with no po- or leave immunity yeah. with no power or something yeah. like strength without power or something. And yeah, it would have been fun to see that in the game. But alas, I 100% agree. This has been like an online reality game staple for years. And I feel like it actually is very interesting because it is like a 
it's it is a risk reward thing. It really is. Do I need safety more than we need people? And it would have been fun to see. So maybe that's a little bit why I'm a little bit upset with that. But mm-hmm. I thought it was just stunning how um like I that is just a given that that was the right thing to do. I feel like I don't think Boston Rob actually thought that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so separate to that, I think this episode was truly incredible. We got a bunch of moments that I'm sure we'll talk about. But before we get too much further, so I'm a big podcast listener. Obviously, we make this podcast. I also listen to the other Survivor podcasts. And what I've been stunned to find on the internet is that almost all the coverage has been how bad Kelly played this. And I was stunned because I guess in my opinion, this is what we just saw was iconic game-changing survivor and the fact that i think this is up there with uh sari getting eric to give up his necklace this is up there like i feel like this is one of the great survivor plays that we've ever seen and it was like i feel like all the coverage has been oh something could go wrong for kelly thing like maybe it won't work perfectly i would just feel like it's lazy criticism to criticize something that could maybe happen one day i feel like in this movie it was like handled perfectly high level thinking that we just haven't seen before i think that's awesome and fascinating good job kelly mm-hmm. i i mean i can see all those possibilities but you're right it hasn't panned out yet i don't know what's actually going to come through and where Kelly's going to stand if people are going to catch on to her um i think my biggest thing is you can sort of see kelly doing this to strengthen her bond with dean and strengthen it with nora but then she votes out jack as opposed to like jamal who's someone she has no bond with. And I feel like the better move would to make sure you're tight with all these people going forward, as opposed to leaving Jamal, who's like, clearly like he's scheming a lot. He's thinking about the possibility of a women's alliance or um, whether or not he needs to use his idol. And I feel like that was a better uh, variable to get out of the game as opposed to Jack. But then does he have an idol? All sorts of factors. That's why it's so hard to label as good or bad for me. And I certainly want to do that. Wouldn't want to do that like now. See, for me, I don't like whatever. If she gets voted out next, I still think this is an incredible play. Um, To me, it was just the level of thinking of it was beyond anything I think we've even ever seen on Survivor because it wasn't just like give idol, let thing happen. It was she gives the idol, still votes him, gets Nora to vote with him. So that completely incriminates Nora over herself. And I feel like she just gave herself so much plausible deniability so that she can go to the merge, align with people like Tommy and be like, oh my God, I'm so sad that Dean um, took out Jack. I loved Jack. You loved Jack, Tommy. Um, Let's be friends, Tommy. And I feel like it gives her power over everybody in the game. I feel like she really now has a connection with everybody that is positive, including the Dean, including like, you know what I mean? Like she really has this multifaceted control here that we haven't seen in a long time. And I really... I feel like, yeah, maybe Dean could rat her out, but why would he? I feel like he he is somewhat indebted to her. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't feel like you frequently see someone like get saved by somebody and then turn on them. It's not a super common thing. No, no, I think I think ultimately, well, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I think highly of Kelly going forward in this podcast. You'll see that. But I think it's going to be OK for Kelly. I think it was a net good move. Like she gets people closer to her. Um I don't think Jamal is the worst. Like, I don't think he's more angry or anything. Like, I don't know. I think she's in a good spot. Yeah. Yeah. And like we mentioned, like on your Twitter, you mentioned that like an underrated part is that she asked Dean first if he had an idol. She didn't just rush into it. 
I loved all that thought process behind her. And mm-hmm. I actually really like that she also managed to flush Jamal's idol. Obviously, it was probably an accident, but I think that was pretty cool, too. And I mm-hmm. guess the thought process, we'll get to this with the stories, but Jack's just more likable, I feel like, is their, her thought process. Like, he's going to yeah. blend in. Jamal's never going to blend in. Take out Jack. I think mean, that's good enough calculus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a big deal, but. Yeah. Um. Also, I thought the challenge was actually pretty good. I like seeing how. I feel like it's hard to know how heavy things are frequently in the game of Survivor. I feel like seeing people actually struggle to throw those coconuts was pretty interesting. Like I found it like actually pretty visually stimulating. Be like, oh my god, they're throwing those things really far, and they're actually very hard to get there. <laughs> yeah, it was a very weirdly like simple challenge. Uh, just throwing things into a hoop and then a puzzle, but it really worked, and it was really tense and. There are a lot of interesting little beats within the challenge editing. So yeah, like Tommy screaming at the top of his lungs the whole time. <laughs> like Lauren screaming, Missy screaming, Elaine weirdly getting like good content where she's like, this is wrong. And everyone's like, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, Karishma accidentally dropping a piece on Jamal's foot. Yeah. Just, yeah. Lots yeah, of this little... cast is awesome. Oh, absolutely. It's so crazy to think jack went out here and that's kind of really sad but we also have like emerged with nora emerged with janet karishma kelly it's just like all these like it's so many good characters yeah like all the best developed characters are here in the merge and i feel like that's not something i see all the time and i know about them all like yeah <laughs> no i think it's incredible like i could tell you personal details about every single person mm-hmm. in the game and that's awesome more than I think we were expecting, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a massive testament to the cast, to the editing team. I feel like the seasons really had a strong pre-merge up to this point. Had some problems, but so I'm excited for the merge, and I, I did not expect that. I did expect, like, a pagonging, so mm-hmm. I'm happy it's not that, um, yeah. I guess. And <laughs> so last week, I obviously uh, got on a pedestal a bit and really was like, Jack is 100% making it <laughs> to the end of this game. I ended up still thinking Tommy was more likely to win, but I thought this was a clear sign that Jack's trajectory was so far in the future. Why? Because I thought the the whole framing of the Jamal and Jack thing was all about framing it around Jack's perspective. And I was like, oh, surely Survivor um, is so woke that they will they would not just do that for no reason. There must be a purpose for them editing the entire uh, racial moment around uh the the white guy's thought process on it turns out joe i was wrong you were right survivor was just uh editing it for uh all the people at home that would be upset if it was just centered from jamal's point of view yeah just doesn't look i mean it's still a great scene glad to see it here but i guess unfortunate that so much of it was from jack's perspective and he's gone they sort of went right turned right around on jamal and made him this villain again which is unfortunate oh yeah yeah so i think i talked a lot about how i didn't know the motivations of it and i feel like it really was just a scene to put there and it goes with the themes of the season where they are talking about social interactions and social issues and how they relate to survivor so i think it was just a good scene and they put it there and yeah yep basically it was a good scene and they just chose to edit it from jack's point of view to not upset people I need to stop giving Survivor as much credit as I do. (laughs) Every season, I feel like there's some moment where I'm like, oh, only this could happen because what kind of monster would edit it this way otherwise? Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's uh, 
that's something that said this episode was so good. Obviously, we always like last week we kind of lamented the introduction of the vote cancel because I feel like it took away the drama. Mm-hmm. This is why we said it should have been an idol instead because look how much more interesting an idol made this episode. Idol's the better advantage to go in this in a swap. Like it just makes way more sense. Idols right. are exciting in swaps. Mm-hmm. They are an exciting pre or pre swap and vote steals are an exciting post swap. I feel like they just mixed them up and but by the skin of their teeth. Um, they managed to make an awesome episode here with an advantage being a major part of it. Yeah. And so with that said, I guess we'll move here to our stories. This well, is the part. Uh, of- oh. Real quick, I want to say before we move into stories, when we were talking about the episode last week, I was talking about why they were doing it. And I mentioned uh, Julia Carter from Survivor Edge of Extinction and her experiences and how they weren't featured on that season. Um, I think in that episode, I said it was dealing with uh, Rick Devon saying a racial slur, and that was not correct. I did not do my research on that. Um, Now I have, and you can read the article on Julia's blog where she talks about it, um, all her experiences, just her game and stuff. Um, And she doesn't name a specific name in that article, um, but... Yeah, it's definitely not Rick Devins because it happened on original comma. So I want to say I'm wrong there. I'm sorry. And I will probably link that article on Reddit or in the show notes just so everyone's on the same page. But want to get that straightened out. Yeah, no, I appreciate doing that. I'm surprised I didn't catch it in the moment. I, th- I In my head, you said uh, just like she had this bad experience. So I apologize if I accidentally said yes or anything. Yeah, it seems like Rick Devins was not at all involved with that. Um, despite having like some villainous moments in the season, not that kind of villain. Um, mm-hmm. Seems like a good dude. Uh, he was very good on uh, Robin's podcast last week. Oh, hmm. um, so with that, we'll actually move here to our story section. Yes, where yeah, we try to track the long-running stories of the season and kind of see like catch up, figure out what the story is trying to tell us. Uh, so the first one, and I think one that was all over this episode, all over the season is the idea that likability is liability, i.e. people who are unlikable stick around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a really fascinating season or theme because usually in Survivor, it's edited like um, JT gets framed for stealing the sugar or whatever. So um, he gets voted out because everyone's annoyed with him. Generally, mm-hmm. that's what you see is people do something annoying around camp and that's a reason to vote them out because they're social pariahs and have done wrong to the tribe. Whereas in this one, it's like, be as bad as you can be actually grope people like Dan in this episode was like literally groping unconsented sending people in the middle of the night. Um, and that was a reason to keep him Missy described. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear that this is a season. It's a little bit of an icky uh, theme for this season, but um, it's definitely something that's constant all over this season. And I feel like it's not going to go away. Yeah. Especially now that we hit the merge, it'll be interesting to see whether it was just sort of a pre-merge thing where there was a bigger emphasis on keeping um, unlikable people. And especially in the merge, they become sort of goats that you want to drag to the end. So are people like Dan, Nora, Karishma, are they going to get dragged to the end or are they just going to find their way out on their own? And Yeah, and I think it's actually very interesting because if you're if you're doing the good old goat tracker um, trying to figure out who is who are the people who like can't win if you like were to like a jury vote. I feel like it's Dan. I feel like it's um honestly maybe Jamal, Krishma, Nora. That's a lot of them. Like 
that's enough <laughs> to make up a final tribal council. <laughs> yeah, plus one, a whole finale night almost. Yeah. Um. So that's probably something to pay attention to. Like maybe our more likable characters are gonna vanish here. Um, it's something to kind of pay attention to because we did get a little robbed here, right? Because we're like, oh, Jack's such a likable guy. Um, well, that's why he got voted out over Jamal. They're like, oh, he's likable. We'll keep the guy that's yelling at us at camp. Um, yeah, very clear. Uh, gosh, what do you call it when two things are at odds? <laughs> like comparison, contrast. Yeah. <laughs> Lost the words, but yeah. And yeah, all season we've been tracking that Jack and Jamal were like intrinsically linked. Um, and stupid me, despite this being a theme, was like, oh, well, why wouldn't they keep Jack? He's more likable. Me falling for the, literally the story. It's um, like in Game <laughs> of Thrones, your favorite character dies in every season, and you're like, no way every time. And eventually you have to just be like, oh, that's the story they're telling. And it's going to happen every time. Yeah, it is hard to believe, though, because you're right. Most of the time, unlikable characters go because that's the way the editors want you to see them, and you can be ready for when they leave but here it's the opposite and it's also such a strong cast that like anyone leaving is kind of a hit on the season so i don't know it's weird too it's a weird juxtaposition but oh yeah and of course in addition to all the unlikable characters you have elaine who is constantly being presented as likable and just this variable here that i haven't figured out is she going soon? I mean, with Jack going, it has to feel like the target is right on Elaine's head. Oh, yeah. Like, can't have this around much longer. Yeah, because if you think about the characters who we've been told are unlikable, you have Dan, you have Nora, you have Kareshma, and they've been surviving over explicitly characters that we've been told are very likable. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack, Tommy, Elaine, I feel like are the characters that we've been told are explicitly very likable. Right. Jack just left. I don't think it bodes very well theoretically for elaine or tommy maybe we have to rethink how we assign who we think is going to last because we've like for me it's like oh everyone seems to like tommy he must last a very long time maybe that's a little silly thinking um i don't know it's just i think once we start talking about individual people we'll really see the way they clash against themes and yeah it makes it really hard to say who's going to win at this point because you have people with really good content and stuff but then if you look at the themes of the season they're not lining up with those so yeah yeah like uh does uh like ability liability mean like dan's winning like uh <laughs> you know like he's the least likable person imaginable so it's hard to assign exactly what was going on but mm-hmm. yeah i feel like maybe avoid people that were explicitly told are like <laughs> the greatest people in the entire world yeah and it is a very fascinating story that we don't usually see in survivor so it's almost like everybody learned the same lesson at the same time like missy is so explicitly against voting out anyone unlikable like she wants all the goats kelly's kind of thinking the same way like it feels like a lot of people have learned the vote out likable people lesson so like don't smile to anyone mm-hmm. i don't know how much of that is because i believe the season they're all saying they watched before this was David versus Goliath. And like, oh, this is the Angelina. People are seeing this person as their Angelina, which unfortunate. You can track the Angelina uh, Cardona, Keely Cardona, Cardona Keely Twitter, where she's like, no, that's not me. And it really isn't her. Angelina was playing a strong game. Winner contender up until the end. Yep. Queen Angelina. <laughs> no. um, so the next theme here is the idea of teaching, learning. Uh, seeking a mentor in this episode um and like we've seen this all throughout the season i feel like it wasn't major here because i feel like generally you see this 
tied to the island. And Janna entered as somebody with experience already. That's kind of how they build her. Like she already knows what she needs and she doesn't need to ask questions. Mm-hmm. I sort of saw it as a uh, like mechanic of the episode. It sort of taught us like, oh, calculated risk is a very important thing in Survivor. And then they laid out these scenes of Kelly essentially doing that. And it was like, look, she kind of is learning by like, indirect exposure like oh exposure is a weird word to use a janet here but uh like yeah it's just being shown as oh here's kelly putting it into practice especially when janet didn't really do anything on it yeah actually that's a good point um because like we explicitly get her using the like vocabulary of boss and rob right like kelly is talking about risk management Mm -hmm. i think that was really fascinating like that they included that you know what? I'm going to throw in another thing here. So with this theme, the idea of seeking a mentor, we've always focused that it does have to do with idols. It does have to do with um, the island, right? This little alliance that's forming of Nora, Kelly, the people who've gone to Island of the Idols that Kelly mm-hmm. mentions, I feel like is relevant here, right? They all have a shared mentor in Boston, Robin, Sandra that the others don't have. It kind of gives them um, some sort of mutual bonding the other people don't have i think that's an interesting thing that we should continue to track Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's very interesting to see how that cobbles together as more people know about it and how that when who it's shown from that that's an important thing for i think is something to pay attention to because right now we have elizabeth and kelly both explicitly mentioning that Mm -hmm. i've all season i've been saying i feel like that's the most obvious alliance of all time forming at the merge but Hmm. we'll see Next up, we have the idea of proving who you are, speaking your mind, always not, maybe not always being the right thing to do. I think it was very fascinating this episode. Um, obviously, the most pressing example is probably the female alliance thing, right? Like Kelly decides, sorry, I'm just going to say this because I'm tired of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, we've seen that earlier with her too when she talks to Dan, but just making sure people know and like, this is how I feel on this. I hope you can understand. Um, yeah. I think there's an interesting parallel with Nora where they just bring up how Nora's always going to tell you what's on her mind and whether or not that's a good thing is literally a question Jack gets asked. So, mm-hmm. no, I think that's actually a really good question. Like, um, and even in this episode, we have Nora, like the way that the female alliance was handled by different characters in this is a good um representation i think of what they're trying to say you mm-hmm. have kelly say it at tribal but be like informative and kind of dodgy about specifics like she's talking about a thing but not being like oh we're gonna do this whereas nora is just like hey let's i'm tired of being treated like this let's girls think girls thing and all the girls like no like nora mm-hmm. don't do that you're a risk like please do not <laughs> you speak your mind but don't babble on and send sendlessly like don't mm-hmm. you don't have to be guarded i think is kind of what it's saying yeah mm. so that i guess is good for that one i feel like it is so tied to the big themes here in the mm-hmm. season the biggest of all which got it's even uh, like uh, all season guys i've been saying i think the story of dan isn't over um i, I think we're gonna get some real ugly moments saw that this week it almost like just yeah it was just it went to like night at Vokai, and i was like this is weird this doesn't feel right and then it's just this like silent scene of like dan groping in the dark and just very uncomfortable and then even 
the way the rest of Okai was playing like lightly almost with it wasn't the greatest. Like, Ugh. yep. Yeah, it was absolutely uncomfortable. And like this saddest part to me is that the way that they're talking makes it seem like this is happening constantly. Oh, yeah. Like that isn't like, a, oh, they, he did it one time. Please don't think this is he ve- clearly has not learned his lesson whatsoever. He's just a creepy dude. Um, mm-hmm. And if you think all the people who were talking about this on episode one, like Molly's obviously out, but Janet and Kelly are on the other tribe. So there's not that oomph there to be like, hey, this is not OK. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's I don't know. It kind of plays weirdly on Missy as a character. Because I'm just thinking about how this happened, and then she sees it very strategically, which is her thing, but then she's just like, Dan is irrelevant. And I think, I get what she's saying strategy-wise, but it almost plays into that likability as a liability theme too much, where she's just, oh, I I want all these unlikable people around me, no matter what they do. And yeah, it was sort of the, like, Dan scene each episode before this was like this felt more gross like oh yeah i don't like the direction it's going now like i i was expecting it to like with especially with last episode where he's just like grunting while like (laughs) throwing bags like i thought it was just like here's how we can make dan sort of goofy and weird and then nope fall back into what made him pretty awful absolutely um like this is the kind of thing that's just is like i mean i'm gonna go on a little bit of a side tangent here props to the editors for portraying this story across all episodes in a really crafty and clever way um i'm trying to use the right word so it's not um it's not, i don't misspeak but basically in episode one there's a huge moment and we see maybe he's changed maybe maybe he will grow from this and then Slowly in the background of all the episodes, you have him creepily touch Kelly in episode two, the weird grunting in one episode. Um, basically, like every episode we've been tracking some small thing mm-hmm. that they've incorporated that adds to it, but without it being an expli- explicit mention that, oh, this is constant. It's like, a, oh, is it wrong? Like, like, is he continuing to do it? And mm-hmm. you're kind of questioning it as an audience member. And then to the last episode before the merge, just be like, oh, by the way, he's been creepy as hell the whole time. Brilliant storytelling. That said, um, how sad is it, I think, that the predominant theme of this season is the fact that you're having to put up with um, horrible people, uh, maybe not even horrible people, but uncomfortable people um, who violate your own sense of um, safety while and, like infringing on social issues while still playing the social game and how difficult that is. I feel like at this point, this episode, and I feel like we've been saying this for a while, is absolutely the story of this season, I think. Um, it's all over the place, even in the Jamal and Kelly scene, um, of them, obviously not nearly as major, but just like the strife between people and how you don't actually, like, you don't act on sending them home because of it. You try to make them your friend. You try to mitigate the conflict, however possible. And really how that's the undersold story of survivor that you do have to put up with these horrible people. Yeah. Yeah, I think another sort of plotline throughout this episode is Jamal and Nora's relationship, where they're very clearly arguing with one another. They, at Tribal, start talking publicly about how they don't always get along, and then they put all, like, Jamal plays his idol on Nora. And mm-hmm. it's, it's about these sort of things that you have to do as you're playing this game. And it's just, yeah, uh, yeah it's all over the place. 
It really is. I mean, I think one of the even another example in here is Kelly being like, what do you mean there's a women's alliance? Like, and obviously to her, there isn't one. Like there happens to be one on the other tribe. But like the whole idea of like, why if I talk to a girl, is it a woman's alliance that's so scary when they're not actually that much of a thing? Um, right? Like that's part of it, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's a sexist idea against women. It's a sexist idea um against their ability to play strategic games. I feel like this season confronting all of that pretty directly, which bodes really well for characters like Kelly, I think. Yeah. Yep. I absolutely agree. It is weird. And we haven't put on like men versus women as a story on here because it is this weird uh contrast. Got it down. Contrast between what's going on on this tribe where they're like, no, the notion of a women's alliance is sexist and wrong. And then on the other tribe, Missy and Lauren and them are trying to pull that together. And it's just, and we've seen it strong elsewhere in the season. So I'm still not sure what they're doing with this. I think that's why to me, I don't want to put a female theme on here. I think there absolutely is one, but the actual, the actual theme here is what we're saying. It's putting up with, um, like social issues while playing a social game. Right. Is what it is. Part of that is gender, right? Like that is an important facet, but we got race. We do have multiple, um, even like personal space, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, being incorporated into here. And that's why I think the fact that there is that contrast means it isn't as simple as yes, girls slay, right? Like something like Korong, I feel like is a season where from episode one, like, guys are doofuses and girls rock and Mm -hmm. that's that's the story of that season yeah or they're villains and it's just like yeah and i think that shows where it fluctuates like sometimes i mean maybe it's a little bit in the future but sometimes survivor focuses on like these girl power alliances or we've seen it in the other seasons we've covered where they'll just make little um efforts to empower women but it's not like a major theme here. It's, it's so complicated. And yes. It's, it's much about like embracing people as the people they are, but also navigating the game of survivor. I think you've nailed it. I think that's the thing is it's, it's sure. We get Sandra talking about how a girl's going to win the game. I don't think that's the important part. I think the important part is, so she's talking about Sandra and, or so, so talking about Janet in that moment later in the episode, Janet says, I don't care what people are like. You find, like beneath their age, beneath their whatever, their gender, their race. It's who they are as a person. That's mm-hmm. what the season's saying, right? Like, um, and it, so that is more complicated than a woman's alliance because, um, and I think this is the real bell moment is characters who've talked explicitly about a woman's alliance don't look very good. You have Chelsea, um, Gonzo. You have Nora, um, not the most positive in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Missy, not the most positive in the entire world. Um, People like even Elaine and Elizabeth haven't mentioned it that much. Like, I don't think this has been a super great. The idea of a woman's alliance has been shown very positively. And then this episode was a condemnation of it. I really mm-hmm. feel like we're going to see the woman's alliance fail. Mm-hmm. But I think almost saying that's okay. Like, yeah, it shouldn't just be based on that. I think another good example is Karishma being like, yeah, there's this women's alliance, but I still don't really fit in. Like, I'm not like these girls. And I think we are sort of trying to parse what Karishma meant as a character in those episodes. And I think it's sort of saying, hey, look, just because you come together because of one thing doesn't mean it makes the most sense. 
and absolutely it's explained here so no i 100 percent agree and i think that's a that's the sneaky part about this season is that it looks like a season just about how fantastic women's alliances are but it really isn't it's about the complicated nature of the idea of one of those which is much more nuanced than i think what we tend to see in this which makes me honestly think it is the winner story i think we are seeing um this explicitly come from end game backwards Mm -hmm. so i think that's really fascinating um let's move here to the next one which is the idea of the little leaps of faith we've talked about it a lot but kelly we've added kind of an extra point here of calculated risk that's the idea like you want to make little leaps of faith but dip your feet in the water first Mm -hmm. that's a summary of the idea of calculated risk that kelly completely puts into words here yeah just like we talked about earlier the way it uh branches from janet's moment of calculated risk and her consideration of it to kelly then seeing it later and how she knew she had a lot of pieces to juggle but was it all worth it and in the end she did it and she considered it and it worked out for her so yeah um and then we have the idea of winning and losing what that means Mm -hmm. i guess i didn't i kept it on here but i didn't see it too much in this kelly just flat out says lyro sex so i don't know but did you I think any- there is something here where she like it's kind of the story of Kelly where it's she manages to get her way while still voting incorrectly. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of an interesting thing there. Um, and yeah, I just feel like it's something that's going to continue to be a thing. Um, but yeah, we'll track it as it goes. Um, and other than that, I feel like none of the major ones were here. I did want to mention we've talked about how important tribes working together is. I think uh, it's another episode here where we see Lyra sort of fractured. You have arguments between Jamal and Kelly, Jamal and Nora, and then they lose the challenge. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It might be coincidental, but they're always seeming to promote this idea that if your teamwork is fractured, you'll have a hard time winning the challenge. Absolutely. And I mean, we even saw that with uh, Dean and Karishma can't even be on the same page. (laughs) Right, like Krishma gets that epic voting confessional where she's really digging into Dean, <laughs> which was an amazing touch, by the way. That's another thing that elevates this episode. The small moments they nailed. Oh, um, yeah. Like, that was hilarious, where we know he's safe. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and you, like, know Krishma is, like, giving this, like, what she thinks is an amazing, like, for the cameras, like, voting confessional. And oh, yeah. going to fail. And, That's uh. another thing, like, like they like I mentioned how well they handled the Dan thing. They handled Krishma so well, where they give her like a little annoying moment every episode, so you understand why people are annoyed with her. Mm-hmm. They've done all these characters a lot of justice, and that's why I do really, really like this season. Um, but that's our story section, um, and we're gonna move here to the Vokai tribe, the new Vokai tribe, new Nukai. Yep, which basically centered around um, Missy catching on to Tommy and Lauren trying to throw Dan on the bus was basically the story of new Vokai here. Mm-hmm. So let's start here with Aaron. As we always do. As we always do. Um, what? So a little bit of a quieter episode for Aaron. And it was a bad place for it. I think one yeah. of the big bad points I have on Aaron and also Tommy is there's no uh, afterward on what happened at the tribal Mm-hmm. proceeds it goes weirdly to lauren needing comfort which she was obviously distraught but like lauren has not been the character that would make sense to do this with up until this point so yeah i mean aaron wasn't faring well anyway for me but 
this episode wasn't great. He was just like, yeah, we're in power now. I, who, who, who are these Vokai people? I didn't make any meaningful relationships with them about my socks in any previous episodes. Right. Remember when he was absolutely flipping on Lyro and <laughs> like Elaine was screwed. I, I, I do too. Um, yeah, this is like, I mean, we've been heralding this episode a lot. Um, this is one thing that I think the episode could have done a little better. Yeah, um, I think this is the main slip point is this is missing. Like, but why is the- you know what it is? So I'm going to defend this episode and then uh, dig into the season a little bit. This is why you don't lie in your previous episodes. Because um, I'm guessing that moment just never happened because I'm guessing that Aaron and Tommy were actually never that close. Mm-hmm. And we just saw, like, they just lied to us in the last episode to make it more because th- they threw an advantage for no reason. Um, so basically, I think that this episode actually handled it naturally. You went to the people who just got screwed. You went to Lauren. How sad she is. That's what the story should be about. But because they lied last episode, we just have a missing plot thread. It's never going to be addressed because they lied. Yeah. Yeah, it's very easy to see because it was on the swap episode. So it's just like Aaron showing Tommy his socks and being like, oh, this is why they are this way, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of the actual line stuff could be boilerplate what you're saying to everyone on the beach. Yeah, that's the thing. Like if last episode they didn't lie and say that, oh, Aaron's on a, uh, on a lane and like then this episode's way more clear. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more of a flaw of the past that unfortunately just holds this one up. Um, yeah. So that's a little unfortunate. Um, I really like Aaron. I hope he's here for a while. This episode makes me think he is likely to leave the first time he loses an immunity challenge. I feel like that's <laughs> his story right now, that Tommy's going to go against that deal they made mm-hmm. as comeuppance. I will say one of when I was looking at my actual edric chart, which as we've done this and I still keep doing it, but you realize now that the bars don't really mean much of anything other than that quick reference to go back to. But um, looking at Aaron's last three episodes where it's this very positive one, very negative one, and then nothing here. It reminded me of Dan Rangering from David versus Goliath, where he had that same string. Mm-hmm. So sort of a character is all over the place and can be strong content wise, but probably not winning. And I mean, Aaron's at the bottom of my list. I don't think he's winning. Yeah, honestly, Dan Rangering is a fantastic comparison for Aaron, right? Where theoretically should be a contender but something just feels weird and wrong mm-hmm. um i don't know if aaron's gonna get twist screwed out of the game like dan did but maybe that'll happen i don't know yeah. um that's the thing like not much to say because aaron basically took a backseat to missy in this episode they just let missy talk for aaron yeah he had a confessional saying we're in charge now and yeah so contradicting last episode so yeah, yeah. go for so that's there. aaron next up we have dan who over the so- weeks i become like I feel like I like I've been saying this since like episode two or three. Dan's absolutely losing finalist, right? Like I feel like this is brilliant storytelling from the editors for a losing finalist because they're slowly building him so that anyone who watches finale night will understand why he loses, but not shoving it down your throat in an obnoxious way. He's not going over the top negative five or anything like that. He's going just negative constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's been a well told story, but like oh my god, this guy is so creepy. Yeah, it's almost. I was going to ask, I was wondering if you're going to say, but on that and say, I feel like it's almost getting to the point where, like you predicted at the beginning of the season, there's going to be a really big moment and it's going to send him out earlier in some way, whether that's like literal removal from the game or just like they can't stand him and they vote him out. Like, yeah, it felt like it's 
tilting that way. I still think, like, I still kind of wonder if this is just perfect losing finalist content. Because, I mean, this episode was, like, somehow simultaneously, like, invisible and OTTN. Yep. So He didn't speak in this episode, right? No. Yeah. I mean... At the challenge, I think I heard him say something, but that doesn't count. Yeah, like, it's very interesting how they've kind of given him a very small amount while also explicitly condemning him. Um, you're right. He could get removed. I I feel like of anybody to get, like, a removal edit, it's going to be Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, Because, yeah, I really do think, like, th- the way this is building, it's it has, like, it's like a n- traditional narrative plot, his story here, where it starts big and then... Like you get uh, like rising action and a mini like a mini uh, peak and then it goes back down and then like, it, there's a lot of attention being paid to this um, by like just by the edit, um, which you're right. It could get worse, but if it continues this kind of just slope slope up like it is right now, mm-hmm. I think he's a lock for the losing finalist. But you're right. It could easily flip and be like the worst episode ever. Um yeah, and I think one of our themes is this focus on social issues and um, just like Survivor in 2019, when we understand how people want to be treated. Um, I kind of think we're attributing it to something like, oh, they're just telling these brilliant stories of it. And I don't think that's wrong per se, but I think putting all this footwork in is going to make that episode a little easier to swallow. Because like, like removing someone from the game in the way I can imagine it for this, like, it's not going to be, like, an injury. Like, I don't want to say it's not an injury because that's not correct, I think, to the people who have been affected by Dan. But it's not going to be something that makes... ah, I can't phrase it right, but it's going to be different. Yeah. And I think this might be some of the pieces they're putting in place to make that make as much sense as possible. Yeah, honestly, you might be onto something because... We haven't really seen anything like this in Survivor, at least, like, obviously, All-Stars, you have some uh, inappropriate uh, relationships between Richard and, like, Sue. But to this level, I don't think we've seen anything like this before. And, Mm -hmm. like, he's absolutely crossing insane lines here. Um, So that's the thing. Maybe the story is they universally like he does something so bad that they all universally agree to vote him out or remove him i could in this season you're right it's very possible there's been a lot of billing of um kind of like of the theme right and mm-hmm. not gonna lie when they announced that jack was a jury member my first instinct was oh that's what it is um but his final words had him say it. So then I was like, oh, maybe not. Okay. You were thinking they like... Retconned like... him into the jury. Hmm. Um, but I don't think that's what we saw, actually, because he did say it in his final words. But on first right. watch, oh my goodness, I think that's what we're going to see. But I don't... Unless they got him to re-record his final words or whatever. Um, I don't think it's what we're... Like, I feel like he... Gun to my head, he's a losing finalist. But... Yeah. There's way too much percentage points in my head that he could just get removed for violate violating even more than he has like basic human decency um which is scary uh for the future of the season yeah because it's like i I would rather him be a losing finalist i mean that puts him in the game further but i think what they've done in this pre-merge is create something so interesting with all the other characters that i feel like that would 
sort of have a like it would be why you remember this season i think yeah and i don't think that's a bad thing like to say this is not okay you need to leave but i feel like it just sort of twists the season a little in a weird way it absolutely put a sour note on it right i mean like i don't Mm -hmm. think game changers was good anyway but like the jeff varner situation is what 99 percent of people think about when they think of survivor game changers right and it completely overshadowed the season um and the saddest part is it's what gets survivor mainstream attention um mm-hmm. so I, i'm really worried that that is what we're gonna see but dan is not winning this season um no i think right away you can say don't literally show some weird scene of him every episode pre-merge yeah like a negative scene and like yeah, no like, positivity like i have no reason to I guess I should say I like aspects of Dan as a character. Like this merge is comprised of like well-established characters. Like, but from everything I'm seeing, like Dan as a person, not great. Yes. That's the thing. Dan as a, if this was a scripted television show um, at survivor casuals who think it's uh, fake, but um, like if, if he was a character, like a completely hundred percent character, it's brilliant handling. But he's mm-hmm. a real person on out there on an island doing actually horrible things, which just complicates it so much because I don't know. It's just it's yeah. uncomfortable. I'm so f- sorry for all these people that have to put up with that. That'd be horrible. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I guess my thing is we've been talking about how the theme is putting up with stuff like that. Kelly, obviously, episode one talks to Dan. I guess I'm going to have to put up with you for all 39 days. Huh? Ha ha ha. Really scares me. He's going to be there for all 39 days. And that's going to basically be someone's final tribal council speeches. I had to put up with this guy. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's Dan. Yep. Let's move to someone again uh, who's much more likable, but also had kind of a quiet episode in Elaine. Mm-hmm. She just got like the celebration episode, you know, like, yeah, she did it. Yeah. Which I think she got that after she survived at the first one, too. So mm-hmm. once again, it's just like, what are they doing with Elaine? She gets this big scene at the challenge where she's like, no, that's not right. <laughs> Uh, Elaine, who has been seen as someone who doesn't know what's going on, is sort of just drifting, is like, no, you guys are wrong. And mm-hmm. and I think, I don't know, how do you think that scene is presented? Because I think there's part, like, obviously what they're just trying to do is get something into place and be like, will this pass just a test? But I feel like they very clearly made it to be like, no, I'm Elaine is seeing something that everyone else isn't. Um, See, I'm not sure because I feel like this is the kind of moment that gets shown no matter what because it is at the end of the That's true. challenge. You know what I mean? Like, they can edit stuff out of the challenge unless it happens at the very end. Like, it is the end. Yeah. Um, so, to me, I didn't think about it too much. Sometimes they do stuff like that, but it takes kind of hindsight to view if it w- was a thing. If Elaine goes on a puzzle crush in the merge, we can come back to this. <laughs> but I just don't really think it's what we saw here and i don't know it's like a positive moment for elaine if nothing else yeah they really want us to know that elaine's awesome yeah they want us to like elaine yeah and that elaine is likable yeah she's basically literally the opposite of dan where we were basically constantly reminded oh by the way she's incomprehensibly nice and pleasant and fun to be around Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Like we talked about, that's so weird for this season going forward, where it's like, mm-hmm. is this this is not a good thing. Yeah, it's not. Like, <laughs> this episode, more than anything, making me going to leave soon. I just, I don't know. I can't imagine Elaine being a prime target at the merge. Like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of, like, not very many people still look good to win this game. 
in yep. my eyes. I guess with Elaine, I can see it. It would be weird. It would be really weird, but she's one of the ones that makes more sense. I agree. I think they've done a good job with her story. Like they don't give us too much of her to get annoyed. Like we leave note loving her. I feel mm-hmm. like it's a it's a good story they've told with Elaine. She's got some good strategic moments herself. I mean, strategic moment being getting set of a challenge, but <laughs> your mileage may vary. Um, so let's move here to Elizabeth. Oh, I was gonna say I was sort of because when I was looking at my contender list, I was just all over the place with like these people who don't really have great edits, but are I guess at the top of the list. And I was like thinking about whether or not. Elaine's early scenes with Tom and Vince were like in a way that it was just like, look, she had an alliance here together and then it didn't pan out. But there was no, she never addressed voting out Vince with regard to that. So I don't know, it's not as great as I thought it was, but just very complicated. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Like, could she win? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think one thing that separates like, there's like a tier of people who I don't think winning is realistic, but they have some winner quotes that they could spin together for a package. Like that still puts her above a, like a number of people. Like you talk about winning the game a couple times and um, yeah, it's something to pay attention to at least. Like the story could be um, likability is like liability unless you're a lane. So likable that it becomes a double, like a um, reverse psychology. And that's how she won. Yeah. It could be there could be that dumb second act to that story, but I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Cool. So now let's actually move here to Elizabeth, who uh poor Elizabeth. The um, edit monster came and took another bite out of her edit. Yeah. She wasn't in this episode. She was not. The only time she was in it was talking about Dan. Mm-hmm. And I I believe she was the one that we were shown at the night that he was beside. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um deeply upsetting um i wish we could have heard more from her um Mm -hmm. because she seems really funny like i don't know i i think she's like all season we've been talking about about her as like the quirky underrated queen that was this episode i get why she wasn't there what could she like like yeah she's not like elaine who saved them or aaron and missy who are the strategists Mm -hmm. she's like this number in the alliance and she only is there for funny moments yeah, yeah, and I, I'm sure she, her and Kelly are going to hit it off because they both met Boston Rob, and that's what I think we're going to see from her. Like, that's going to be her story. She's going to lie and be, like, a, kind of an overplayer in the merge, I think. Hmm. I, st- I still don't believe in that Kelly-Elizabeth alliance theory, but no? we shall see. I do. I think they've both explicitly talked about how they want to work with people who have gone, and then I feel like they're going to be like, oh my god, you've gone, me too, wow. <laughs> um, But we also don't know what island of the isles is going to turn into come the merge is it going to change i think they're still going to send people i think so too so yeah i guess it's it's so weird like because how it if they can't talk about this how is everyone going to like find out at the end are they going to know it's just Mm -hmm. weird yep 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 (laughs) um but yeah no elizabeth i feel like yeah her story is centered around the island of Isles still right it's (laughs) she Mm -hmm. And she's still in that second act if she wants to lie more and stuff. And I feel like we're, we'll see that come up more. It's just she hasn't had to go tribal in a while. So, yeah, that's fine. I feel like um, she'll have small parts in the merge episode. Absolutely. A little talk, but not a she's big She's somebody who there. could be the merge boot. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm thinking about Elizabeth from David versus Goliath. And wouldn't that be a coincidence? But that would be very funny. Um, just go by Beth. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But- 
I feel like there's better contenders for Merge Boot. I think Aaron's the most likely. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, no, he'll win like one or two. Well, I mean, it depends on the challenge. I just feel like his story is about like is centered on hmm. maybe a really strong second place to a boot. I don't know. Anyways, let's move here to Lauren, who continues to be awesome. She's yes. so fun. I love her. This was a great showcase episode for Lauren. <laughs> oh, poor Lauren. Um, she makes me sad because I know she's not a millionaire, but like I'm glad she's on TV. She's really entertaining. No complaints. Okay. Um. So you say you know she's not a millionaire. Like what? Looking at all the edits that we have going into this merge, what like is Lauren's at the bottom, at the top? Like to what me, are you seeing? I still, I'm still going on the basic metric of if she won, she'd be getting more. Like, hmm. I don't know. I just at least now she has a a, a relationship in Tommy. Um, mm-hmm. But did, did the tragic Jason Tribal Kickstarter game into gear? Or? But I don't think it was shown that like from. Like if we're reading, but the tea leaves reading between the lines, Lauren is one of the most important players in this game, right? Like she's the threat. She's uh, she controlled the Molly vote. She like it, her fingerprints are all over this pre-merge mm-hmm. on influence, but she hasn't been edited that way. She hasn't been given credit for the things she's done. And we're, she's almost edited just like a passerby almost, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so I don't know. To me, she's, honestly like down like there's people like people like dan are less likely than her but like beyond that i don't even know like i'd be stunned if she won it would to me it would be a failing of storytelling it would yeah it would certainly be like pretty much off of all our stories but i think i i also look at her edit and it makes like it's not inconsistent in the wrong places like she gets content when she's important it's not bad content necessarily I don't know. Like I said, lots of struggles with who's winning, but like, and maybe wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, what's her story? What do you leave this season? Why did Lauren win as of now? She made big moves. I think this scene, um, and we'll talk about it too with Tommy. Um, but Missy sort of says, Oh, I need to get Tommy out before him and Lauren can run the merge. And I think you can see that as good for Missy for like reading that immediately. But I also think now Tommy and Lauren are in the merge and Missy missed her shot. So yeah, I think that's good for Tommy, obviously, but also I think Lauren, if you're seeing any sort of path for her to the end, I think. So, okay. I see what you're saying. So like the parallel to me that comes to my mind is, um, and David versus Goliath, the last one before the, the, the Lyrsa vote, Mike White has a confession where he's basically like, I don't know whether to do Nick or Lyrsa. And I feel like this could be a million dollar decision because uh, if I don't take out Nick now, maybe I never can. Mm-hmm. You're basically saying like the idea would be Lauren has a chance because it's framed as if I don't get her out now, she will control the game and Missy failed to get her out. So Ergo yeah, she controls the game. That's part of it. I think if this scene is important to the winner story, I think it's more likely it's for Tommy, but yep. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It's just like people are falling away left and right in terms of even okay edits. And for me, like Lauren makes some semblance of sense. To me, honestly, the way that this was framed, Lauren gets the um, driver's seat role of narrating her and Tommy being like, "I'm Tommy, what we need to do, we need to do the plan to separate us. And then Missy's immediately just like, I see what they're doing. I need to stop it. Like Lauren's immediately discredited 
we, this is the first time we've really seen Tommy and Lauren. Like, yeah, like that's wild. Um, also, Tommy and Lauren being the uh, Fox News. Uh, I know person. that's what I was just thinking. I, I was just like, whoa, what? Um, but yeah, no, um, yeah, no. I think it's wild that um, Lauren, like, like she, we didn't know that they were friends until now, and now they're like this very touching duo. Like, mm-hmm. that to me is terrible for Lauren because she doesn't have an alternative. At least Tommy's just got voted out. You know what I mean? Like, like this is just another person that loves Tommy. Whereas Lauren, we've never been mentioned. Like, like no one has anything to say about Lauren at any point. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Not on my like contenders list, but like I can see it more than other paths. I mean, that's the thing. Like if she wins, it's just, it's like a surprise winner with no p- point. Like, Person one, because and like I'd just be disappointed that someone like Lauren would get the winner edit of like nothing. Mm-hmm. It would just make me sad, I guess. Like I'd be happy for her, obviously, but yeah. So I guess mm. that's Lauren. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll move here to Missy, who this episode, Joe. I think Missy has ascended uh, to the ranks of superstar. I feel like this episode shows what makes Missy so special. I've been really hyping her up all season, but like just being like. Oh, I see what you're doing. Um, and she's sitting there and she has like the Mr. Burns pose going on, like with her hands, like sitting all maniacal. Like this girl knows she's the villain. She's playing it up. She knows that she's like the big, powerful boss character. I love it. Um, I hope she continues to rise because this girl's awesome. I love the way she plays the game. And I feel like she really is one of the greatest survivor readers of people of all time. I'll agree with that. To be fair, though, the way Tommy was selling that Dan vote, like, Nora could have read through that. <laughs> I mean, Nora's actually really good. We'll get to her later. But, like, I agree, though. Missy is a very capable, good player. Nails reads, like, almost every episode. Um, As for her winner chances, I feel like well, there's obviously a lot of early support online for her. It dipped a little. I don't think as people left as much as we did. But now I see people coming back and are like, is this the season where a woman gets edited as this sort of mob boss character? And I'm, my answer is that judging by the way that they edited the Jack Jamal exchange, no. Yeah, I don't. It it still doesn't align for me. Like there's too many inconsistencies. There's not really a full dive into that like mindset. Like I feel like they could take Missy way more that direction and instead they're just kind of half going there. I don't know. Yeah. No, like Missy's the kind of character that you can't edit any other way than this because like I said, her physicality and stuff in these confessionals, it isn't just she's saying these lines like she's sitting like a villain, like she's sitting like a mob boss. She's sitting like a badass, talking like a badass. Like these you can't deliver them in another way even if you put like if you put dodo music behind it it still sounds cool. Like Mm -hmm. that's how this girl is. Like she really is like, she is so much a character that you almost can't edit around that. Like um, they always say like in editing, like for movies, like sometimes the performance is so good. It kind of edits itself. Um, And it's just, I feel like that's Missy. She is so herself. There's no, like, like, you know, like if she talks and there's no music in the background, it plays foreboding epic music in your head. Like, that's the kind of person that this is. Um, mm-hmm. so, I think one of the the strengths of this season is that they have a lot of what you're talking about, where like the characters are so outwardly who they are 
that like it feels like scenes almost just fall into place where like you know who everyone is and i mean that's really good casting and i think missy is like the peak of that where you know exactly how she plays the game who she is as a person and it's great yes no like the fact that like missy to me is a survivor like legend honestly like to me like i'd put her there as one of the greatest casting ever and the fact that she might not even be my number one on this season is insane Mm, yeah like to me her and kelly are god tier casting like insane we'll get more to kelly when we get there but talking about your winner's chances thing that you're talking about i've been low on her the whole time unfortunately um this doesn't change i think this episode was good theoretically for her but bad in the way that again it's the ali elliott problem where why (laughs) her confessionals end in like doomsday you know what i mean like if I don't do this, then I'm screwed. She doesn't do that. Does that mean she's screwed? Um, yeah. Separate, like, um, in this episode, um, I, I mean, sorry, Dean on the other tribe now, who's with Kelly, who has a vengeance against Missy. And I feel like that was established so much in that swap episode that it's absolutely coming into the merge. So Dean's going to be bitter against Missy. Our yep. protagonist at this point is no longer Missy. It's no longer Tommy. It is Kelly. And who did she just save and is indebted to now? Dean. I'm really, really scared for Missy that Missy's going to try to make a woman's alliance continue to be a thing. And Kelly's story is explicitly taking out the woman's alliance by taking out Missy. Yeah. And I mean, Karishma's still here who she said, oh yeah, Karishma has a vote in my pocket. Yes. And Karishma is so far from that. Oh yeah. At this point, it's just like, this pre-merge or post-swap did not go well in terms of people Missy needed out of this game. Oh yeah. Like that's the thing is I said it last season, right? Um, the war dog was a character that a lot of people thought was going to win. But the thing is, is he was never built as a winner. He was built as a formidable threat for somebody to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Missy. It's kind of ironic that they both like were military people, but like Missy is the war dog of the season in Every way, like if Missy was referring to herself as War Dog or War Machine or something, <laughs> it wouldn't be out of place. Almost her calling herself Missy is out of place. Like it is, it's, it doesn't sound right. Um, but like that's the thing. Like she's a final boss. That's what it is. She is. She's an obstacle to be toppled. We've mm-hmm. been shown that basically everybody, even Tommy, gets uh, outplayed by Missy. What does that mean when someone like Kelly faces her? It's uh, she's building heat. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good read. I yeah, mean, I can, like, see, I can see it. She's still just a really strong character who's had a lot of good content this pre-merge, but it's not fitting together right. It's not playing into the themes the best way. Like, it's there at points, but it's not strong and yeah. right on point. Yeah, if you view this, if like if we're wrong on the themes, it's actually, women are the best and can be badass and awesome whenever they want, then Missy's a good winner contender. But I don't think that's what the theme is actually saying. Mm-hmm. I think we're meant to take Kelly's side that just aligning with people because they're women is stupid. Is I think what they're telling us. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's Missy. And I really like to the bottom of my heart, think that her story is getting cut down by Kelly specific Kelly, Janet and the voices of people that think women's alliances are sexist and bad. Yeah. It just feels like new Lyro is primed to vote out Missy. Yes, I do agree with that. So I guess we'll move here to Tommy who. He's been kind of like the protagonist of our podcast anyway. <laughs> up until then, he's really been the protagonist of the season, too, up now. Um, where, again, he gets an episode where I feel like every week I come in and I give some excuse for the episode. Um, 
And like, you've been a little softer on him than me uh, or a little harder on him than me. But this episode was not very good for Tommy. (laughs) I really struggle with Tommy because I think part of it is I don't want to falter on Tommy. And then it was Tommy all along. But yeah, this episode where he's like, almost like bossed around by Lauren. Like, here we, here's how we have to do it, Tommy. Here's how we have to stay in place. And then just the whole, like, if Missy doesn't align with the themes, like, Tommy's playing on another season, really. I feel like he doesn't, he's not playing into these, like, social issues, like, um, speaking your mind. Like, I don't feel like that's Tommy at all. Like, that's a, a weird, I don't know. And yet, I'm still talking about what if this was Missy's chance and they missed it or was yep. this such a bad episode? I mean, we got to see Tommy in like an okay light. Like he was funny in this episode, but yeah, I think I obviously have a number one contender who's not Tommy. And right now I'm really weighing, is it worth keeping Tommy on the board? Really? Yeah. Oh no. Okay. So I, so I kind of teed up that I was a little low on Tommy. Wow, you tricked Not me. Tricked you. Ha ha ha. No, so, okay, so all season, people online, us, whatever, I've been talking about what if Tommy's a distraction? And we normally in this podcast, we talk about how, like, the pre-merge, a lot about how the pre-merge tells you the winner, and then the post-merge makes you, like, doubt it incessantly, right? Um, episode seven, seven episodes in. Um, in episode four, it really felt like, oh, wow, Tommy, every episode, glowing moment. Mm-hmm. Surely going to continue. He could be a distraction. I kind of wanted here to talk about the idea of a distraction because Tommy, if he's the distraction, is the least visible distraction of all time, <laughs> bar anyone not even close. Like, um, if they're trying to hide people behind Tommy, giving him just like a three visibility every time, like a middle, like like secondary character every time, is not the way to do it. Um, I feel like with this concluding the pre-merge, Mm-hmm. Tommy, I think, is absolutely still there with like fifty percent of the win equity. I think, huh. um, I, I agree that it feels like he's playing a different game completely to everybody else, <laughs> which almost is good for him because he, they never forget to tell us about him. Um, even in this episode, which is a little bad, we got oh, this could be the start of Tommy's rise to the top, and we got to learn a little bit about Tommy, how his jokes with the chickens, and I don't know. It just to me, it just feels like there's so much attention paid to tommy that if he's not the winner why do they bother he's not that interesting he's not even he's not the best confessionalist he's not dominating the screen like people like ryan ulrich got five times more content than tommy and but tommy's the distraction tommy's the way too obvious winner i don't think that's true like i honestly think that whole criticism is just wrong i don't think he's too visible or anything i don't know i think part of a distraction though is they have such a like grandiose edit that you're like oh this is the person you want to pay attention to and obviously we've said tommy has a good edit i don't know if he's had that like like as forefront of an edit as he could have like you know what i mean like he's Mm -hmm. not as like obviously he's not visible um so i think i agree with you that tommy isn't a distraction under what i'm saying i almost think is he just fit in somewhere like close to finale night, like on finale night. I think part of it is you have five men left in the game. And this season is in some way concerned with women's, how they play the game alliances, all that. 
is Tommy just like you're like, here's our best example. Like, because if you look at like Aaron, Dan, Dean, and Jamal, it's just bad in different ways. And I think Tommy is just there as like, I'm playing competently-ish. So Yeah. I guess to me, Tommy's likely enough to win that I'm not willing to say that it's definitely a girl. Like and the like the other four are absolutely not winning. Like it is literally <laughs> either a female or Tommy. Yeah, um, I have I have Aaron, Dan, and Jamal at the absolute bottom. Yeah. And then the other one is Dean, so like take what you will from there. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, um Tommy, I honestly think people okay, so I'm gonna go on a mini rant here. So Kara, um, Devin, all these people have always been compared to Michelle Fitzgerald under the like pretense of Ooh, this is um, good. Michelle Fitzgerald got all this content that had no purpose, um, but it was really weirdly complex and about the game when it really shouldn't have been. That's why Kara and Devin were going to win. And we lambasted that whole idea. Like, Kara's nothing like um, Michelle because she actually doesn't get the strategic confessionals. Michelle got strategic confessionals where they're just randomly talking about the game for no reason. But they were very complex. Um, My hot take here is no one is comparing any like tommy to michelle fitzgerald but that's the best comparison in edit like where tommy's just getting these over the top strategic confessionals one time an episode and that's it every episode they make sure that there's something in there that highlights how great tommy is and then he screws off for the rest of the episode every single mm-hmm. time that's michelle fitzgerald that's not Kara and Devin, and that's what always separated them away from michelle is they were at, like we didn't know about them we didn't like there's so much stuff that we didn't know about them. They didn't right. have relationships. Tommy actually checks all those boxes. Where it's like he didn't go to tribal barely ever, but we still know so much about his game constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'm glad you brought that up because I think I actually did see someone make that comparison, but I think it's actually really apt. Uh, a lot of what I've been struggling with with my top contender is, and other people is, has what they've been edited as has it been essential to the story at hand like Mm. are they would they have showed this regardless and i think tommy is like the forefront example of there's a lot in there you didn't need to show oh yeah like when he did need to be shown was his like biggest moments of doubt i feel like the two times he went to tribal council so like you look at tommy's voting record or at least like what we've been told what he wanted to do when he actually went to tribal it's bad. He wanted to save Molly. He failed. He, um, what was the other time he went to tribal? It was the Jason. Jason. We, he was blindsided, right? Like those are the two times Mm. he's gone. Both times he didn't get his way. So this is a character who's unsuccessfully done, like successfully done nothing. You would not think that from the story we've been told. Yes, that is, that those are great points. And I mean, obviously Tommy is number two, like, so high above the next person. Oh, okay, just, so I misunderstood. So you just have one person so high that you were considering only having them. Yes. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so like, number one on New Lyro, and then number two, Tommy. It's just, yeah. am I so caught up on the way the season is progressing, being so divergent from Tommy's play and how he is in this game, that I, I don't know, and it's just my chart, like, who cares? But yeah. like, uh is it worth not considering him anymore but so he's number two he's just yeah i get you i get you so i guess my thing is so we've talked about how it feels like he's on a different island almost like a different game because the Mm -hmm. themes are just wrong the story easily could be and like we've talked about it a lot like what if the idea is 
it's so hard to put up with people that infringe on your social space and experience that it's that's why like maybe it's an apology theme that's why someone like kelly doesn't win the game because she does have to put up with people like dan and tommy doesn't have the same struggle that other people do and that's why he's able to get to the top easier Hmm. right it could be that it it could be a for like an apology for why someone like tommy wins Mm, i feel like that seems like too complicated for survivor i guess but even more like like i guess the final tribal council speech from tommy would be okay i didn't have to deal with a lot of the stuff that you guys did but i still played this game and you know what i mean like it could be like that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i guess part of the stories is that yeah they should relate to the winner and we've seen how teaching is super important to tommy i mean maybe there'll still be his moment where he goes to island of the and Mm -hmm. that really breaks out there Um, yeah it doesn't feel like his story is like over at all like it really feels like he has a lot of stuff to go but maybe the other stories of the season just don't necessarily they're not there primarily for him i mean Mm -hmm. a lot of talk about uh kaurang is that if michelle was winning this whole time why do you spend so much time with these other characters like why did we not care about this person Mm -hmm. and you could say that all these other characters that are have really hefty edits and are being given a lot of attention maybe they're just going to lose to tommy in the end yeah i mean let's go to like a hypothetical so say it's so like david versus goliath we got to the end and the in the final tribal angelina is talking about this positive female theme that's been throughout the season and like she gets edited positively in that moment Mm -hmm. but ultimately loses to the guy that did that other one which is i forget what it was but it was like the giving and receiving or whatever um theme and that's what nick talks about all the time uh and how he got a second chance when he got voted almost got voted out that's what his like so it's two conflicting things um Mm -hmm. what if it's tommy and karishma at the end and karishma is the one talking about how she had to deal with um complicated social issues while still playing a social game karishma is still losing to tommy Mm -hmm. i don't know that's like how i'm seeing it like what if people like kelly don't go as far as we expect what if kelly's ninth place i don't know which, yeah, I, I definitely see that. It's just what we've centered on for themes and where the season is sort of going. It's just like the paths are closing off. And Yes. <laughs> no, I agree. I don't know. So that's probably good for Tommy. Um, yeah. Definitely a fascinating character. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like the discourse on him is so all over the place because I feel like, you know what it is? I feel like deep in all of our hearts. We all saw Tommy obnoxious in episode one. And we're like, we don't want this to be the story you're giving us, CBS. Mm-hmm. We want more. We want better. And I think deep in every Edgeker's heart, they don't want Tommy to be the winner. Yeah, that's very true. I think. Yeah, no one is. I think a lot of people are excited for like, oh, Janet had a really good episode here. Mm-hmm. So it, she's going to win. Or like, I'm like, Lauren, amazing, like great episode for her. And it's just like, no one is. I need to brainwash myself and turn into a Tommy Stan. Yeah. And see. It's probably easier that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's probably good for Tommy. We'll move here to Naira. I think the more interesting tribe by a pretty decent margin. Obviously, yeah. they go to tribal. I love so, this tribe. Me too. <laughs> and so we'll start here with Detective Dean, who, like we said, like I said, absolutely making the merge at the swap episode. Uh, I'll check that off my bingo, Joe. Um, <laughs> but... I love Dean. I think he's so funny. Like, I love that they let him like walk into the rake first of like Krishma's definitely going. Or sorry, Nora's definitely going. There's no way. Not getting blindsided unless everyone's <laughs> laughing at me. Smash cut immediately to 
oh, everybody is laughing at him. He's getting mm-hmm. hilarious. Great touch. Um, <laughs> I like that they're willing to just laugh at this guy. Like they know that he's just kind of a goofy dude. That he's kind of uncomfortable in confessional. That they're willing to kind of play that up. I love what they've done with Dean's character. Mm-hmm. And like I was just talking about with Tommy, the other Tommy is obviously number two. The other three boys are at the bottom. And I think I was just looking at edits today and I was like, Dean. So say you buy into this whole thing that he didn't have strong episode first episodes on purpose until Chelsea went out. Is like what's happened since like good enough for Dean? And uh, I struggle with it. I think ultimately I'm like, no, they would have they would have just done things differently. Like give us a little bit more to work with in those first two episodes. I don't think you sacrifice Dean for two episodes just to tell a better story. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Dean's the winner. But like I said, I've been saying all season, I really do think he's a lot of people. Um specifically because yeah, like his his edit could be explained away by a joke. Um And I think part of it is how do you if this is the winner, how do you edit such a rough pre-merge yeah like dean wild his way down to the tribal council before the swap where he got blindsided and then he's got blindsided here too but he had an idol to get out of it like it's such like a comedy of errors getting to this point like i don't know yeah like it's it reminds me of uh what's the word but it's the idea that like some people like will no matter their incompetence will always land on the feet is kind of the story that they're telling with dean they tell us he's terrible at challenges like on episode two like that despite <laughs> his build this guy is the reason they're losing and then he basically goes to every pre-merge tribal mm-hmm. constantly is voting wrong you know what i mean like mm-hmm. tough break um it's like drunken uh f- the drunken fist or whatever the martial arts where it's appear to be doing nothing at all will actually do the, uh, the darth jar jar theory is uh <laughs> The best I can think of for Dean. Um, <laughs> so long-term chances is if they're really like, how the hell do we edit this? Yeah. Um, I guess the other possibility is somehow he robbed, like this could be like a Natalie White style thing. Somehow he robbed someone like Kelly in the end and the whole season's an apology for a story. Because um, <laughs> they oh. really go out of their way to make fun of this guy. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I'm like, there's just not enough there. It's like, if you're going to start him being this strong detective character after Chelsea goes, like, you could make it better. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't add up enough to where, in the same way that Lauren still makes sense, Dean does not, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Lauren has, like, positive moments, and she's a really likable character. Dean is just sort of bumbling, and he's a fun character, but not, not in the same sphere. Yeah, like, I think... He thinks he looks like Sherlock Holmes, Spectre Gadget. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. It's I'm ex- I'm really excited for him reading Missy. I hope that pays off as much as I think it is because I think it'll be really fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm excited for Dean's future. I I think he could go all the way. I think he could be your losing <laughs> finalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really don't know where Dean lands, and I he guess could go that- a lot of places. That speaks to a larger thing. We sort of thought this was going to be a straight Vokai Paganging in the early season. It really doesn't feel that way anymore. Nope. It's like this this cast especially is primed to backstab and blindside. And yeah, I can see not just like Dean and Karishma the defectors, but also other people sneaking by somehow. I agree. I agree. 
And that brings us here, I guess, to Jamal. What do you think? How? What are your thoughts on Jamal's episode this week? Not great. It was. I. It's just really unfortunate that they like we've obviously seen Jamal's episode two where he was presented poorly, and then we got this really like glowing, nice scene in episode six, and then it was back to the like same old like hard to live with Jamal, and I didn't like it. It's not great for his winner chances. Just. I don't know. It was icky. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know, to me, I feel like as editors, you have a responsibility. And I get, this is a little bit of a soapbox. But um, last week, I feel like a lot of people were just after the episode were and like, these aren't people that I feel like uh, looked at the situation. Like, they're the reason why they edited it from Jack's point of view. I feel like because of that, a lot of people are going to be there waiting for any moment of weakness in Jamal's moral character to, like, tear him down. And... I really wish that the edit wouldn't have gone in so hard on Jamal this week because I, I anecdotally I saw a lot of people online immediately be like like vitriolic against Jamal for how dare he be mad that someone used a racial slur against him and then also not let Kelly use the flint immediately, um, which is insane comparison. They're not the same at all. Um, uh, yeah, really, I really feel like the editors dropped the ball here. Um, sloppy editing, sloppy storytelling. I don't. Uh, commend that at all Mm -hmm. and i think part of it was last episode we were expecting jamal versus nora and like that to be the main thrust of it with like more um swing vote action instead it was this kelly creates this plan and then jamal doesn't even go home it's jack and so i think it was hard to edit around like i don't know i didn't care for it that much yeah I that that part upset me like the social part but beyond that I do think like as a person Jamal seems like an amazing human great mm-hmm. person I'm so glad he's on the show like like we said last week the way he was able to verbalize exactly the problem was magnificent and yeah. that said dude I think is a terrible survivor player um both times we've seen him thinking he has any level of control he's immediately gone into like the worst way to play from the top, which is openly talk about how you're on the top and how you don't have to waver people like Mm -hmm. flexibility is the key Jamal. And then his idol play on Nora, which like very fun scene, but like, what is your motivation for doing that? Like I would say Nora is one of the people he least can rely on going forward. And so like saving that to like negate all the votes or something, like I don't know what his plan was going from there. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I would have understood if he idled himself. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a chance. But he seemed to be so sure that Dean was voting Nora that what they it's a zero zero revote and they he hopes they vote out Karishma. Yeah. Because Jamal from confessionals sounds like he's all Pagong. Mm-hmm. Like he, in the last episode, he actually explicitly talked about picking off the last by one. Um, so yeah. I guess that's what it was. His, he thought that I think it's a terrible play. Um, like really terrible play because what oh no i feel like if you play an idol and then you're vulnerable you get voted mm-hmm. or and i feel like that's realistic yeah i think there's a case to be made for it but i think with jamal we've seen just in what strategy we've seen general reluctance to he's very much settle into something and then stick with it until it breaks apart yeah like yeah, jamal has a story of overconfidence um an mm-hmm. inability to play from the top he would have been very good last season uh, with all the themes of being an underdog, but um, not in this one. 
where there's no theme of that whatsoever. Yeah. Jamal's not winning this game. I don't think there's even a chance. Um, he's They've been edited him to look even worse than he is most of the time. So poor Jamal. Just really bad tonal whiplash. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes this is I like really the definition. Like sometimes I really don't and not good. Yeah. No, and like that's the thing is like he's great on Twitter. He's a great dude. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like his story. His, but the one thing he does have that relationship with Tommy. That yep. could be interesting, but they left on bad terms. Like Tommy being mad at Jamal, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, so I'm not really sure where to like. I feel like a lot of these other people, I like, kind of see like the trajectory, but I don't really see where Jamal is fitting in. Yeah, cool. So let's move here to Janet, who I believe had one of the most interesting episodes. And anecdotally, I've seen a lot of people just be like, "Oh, confirm Janet's the winner." Uh, <laughs> no way. Um. Uh, I'm a little hesitant to lock that in. Uh, what did you make of Janet's episode here tonight? It was, I mean, just reaffirmation that she's an amazing character. I'm so glad we have this episode to just celebrate Janet in all, like, we saw her in so many different ways. Like, she was, like, legit broken down that she had to go to Island of the Idols. Then we saw her very calculated and calm and, I mean, it, at least explaining it rationally so it looked like a good move. And then we come back from commercial and she's like flashing her tribe and it's like this very fun moment. And it's just all these great facets of Janet to say nothing of tribal council. Yeah. Putting all that together. Great episode for it. She did go to Island of the Idols. So like, yeah, it was going to be a pretty strong episode for her. And I think her like trajectory is almost like content episode, no content, content episode, no content. And it's just... I don't see that coming together to be a winner. Yeah, day. it really is like nothing, lots, nothing, lots, nothing, um, mm-hmm. which is an oh, interesting way to do it. Um, to me, Janet's number three. I mean, she's up there, but I feel like if you're looking at edits and just trying to make it make sense for a winner, like she's not, she was the most removed from strategy, I would say, in this episode. Oh, yeah. Do you think that, well, I guess she was blindsided too, so you can say... She was sort of in the right place for that. Yeah, like, that's... It's just a really... I I think it's part of that, as a fan, you want so much more from Janet, and you want it strong across the board, that since we're not getting that, I don't see it. Yeah, I completely endorse what you're saying. Um, I... Janet, again, can only win if it is the torch passing edit, um, still. Which, it's getting a little late. Um, Yeah, it's... It'll be weird to see... What happens when she comes back to Tommy? Yes. Like, like if they don't regroup, then I would say it's even deader. But I would, this almost made me think there are other paths. Like Janet was just like confirmed as a character on her own right. Mm-hmm. And that's true. I think if the editing's a little wobbly, a little weird, like she still makes sense. It's a really great character to go far and people know who she is. And yeah, it's just, I don't know. There's some interesting things here. So, um first the scene between jamal and kelly where kelly ends up making fire like can janet only make fire without flint and then when she has flint she can't do it uh that's my first question um very bizarre like we've been shown that she's like the best fire maker ever but well i wonder if she practiced without fire and it was raining and damp so those methods oh yeah it was, yeah and I then guess that's fair. like once they had flint she just like she was no longer the most competent person to do it. So, yeah, I guess that's fair. So that's my one question. So like, why was that not brought up? Cause 
was a huge part of her story at one point. Um, But separate to that, why was she constantly extracted away from the strategy is bizarre. This episode was different. I feel like in uh, the episodes where she's gone to tribal council, she's got little moments of like working with people. Like you saw her with Tommy and with uh, Kelly and Lauren in episode two. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if she had a ton in. um, Oh yeah. In episode five, she talked about why getting Tom out was a good thing. So I don't think she's been the worst on strategy. And I want to say that like Janet, like is my like front runner for playing the best game. Like, yes amazing and she knew it too she was like i'm in a good position i don't think i should jeopardize it island of the idol shenanigans aside yeah i think you kind of wonder well why isn't the edit presenting it that way but then you're also like how do you present the game janet is playing where she's just sort of sitting comfortably in majorities and truly waiting for the time to strike she talks to nora and is like now's not the time and for her it very much isn't like janet has no reason to deviate from the majority at this point true and like that's the thing maybe maybe she gets kind of sidelined from strategic confessionals because they're boring yeah and i mean i don't mean this in like oh she's a bad confessionalist i mean the game she's playing is not exciting like yeah i'm sorry you look at how she's playing she is uh, her and jamal are pagong pagong pants you know what i mean like that's how they see this game um it's completely a tribal game and maybe that's why they just don't want to say that story because this isn't a pagonging if she wins, then, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of just keeping her behind because she's absolutely a killer player. That much is for sure. We see that constantly and how she talks to people. Um, and then obviously there's the kind of elephant in the room of Sandra basically saying, uh, Janet's your winner. Um, but, <laughs> I just, uh, that throws me off because I think that's way too blatant. Yeah. It's just, it's too blatant to be like questioned it's like will it or it'll happen or it won't like you've spoken it into the world so yeah and like especially with sandra who her winning edits were edited that way where she's like people think i can't win i don't know about that like Mm -hmm. um she almost has this like uh future teller meta narrative um which is good for janet but i don't know i just to me it was a little too blatant a little too in your face um does make me think she's gonna last a long time though yes absolutely the one thing I did take away was Sandra being like, Janet has longevity in this game. Yes. So, I mean, we'll see Janet for until the finale, I think. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I think that's what it confirmed, which is really good for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it means it, it gives her the con- uh, the competitive edge to be able to grab the torch to win or whatever. But I don't know. I'm just, I am nervous about her. Um, but the best thing for her in this whole episode was tribal. And the way like the music swelled when she was talking mm-hmm. is very Sarah Lucina in Game Changers, mm-hmm. where in Game Changers, um, Sarah Lucina at the at the unfortunate Varner tribal gets to basically narrate the uh, generic opinion of, you know, I'm not super down with the LGBT thing, but even I know you're wrong, Jeff Varner. Um, <laughs> yeah. And this one, Janet basically says women's alliances and not women's alliances are good sometimes it's a super neutral position um but you know what i mean like she's fence sitting but it's edited with this music swelling and uh beautiful music uh just like empowering moment it's edited as some uh, larger than life moment but what she's actually saying it ain't that deep yeah it's edited as the most profound thing yes like it's put in the final spot kelly thanks her for it it's just 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's literally like allies exist. There's not just women's alliances. There's other alliances too. Mm-hmm. Is effectively what she says. Mm-hmm. Um, and that reaffirms her position earlier in the episode where yes. she was like, I don't want to go for a women's alliance yet. Yeah. No one hates the idea of a women's alliance more than Janet, who in multiple <laughs> episodes has been like, no, no way. I prefer working with guys. Um, that's the mm-hmm. thing. I guess if the story is women's alliances are explicitly bad, it's good for Janet. Yeah. Cause she got there first. She said it like episodes ago. <laughs> I think all in all, I will probably rise on Janet. If throughout the merge, she's just consistently shown like a little positively and not like contradicted. Like she doesn't have to be at the forefront of every episode though. She's got to be present and just like there and in a good spot and we might not have to worry about her all the time but yeah and a swing vote sometimes Mm. but yeah i think that's what i would see janet's path forward going or she reconnects with tommy and then tommy has a tragic departure and but really what we're seeing i think a lot here is people when their allies go like there's not a lot of treatment to how they react because of that Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Lauren was sad in this moment, but it wasn't like, oh, I was so attached to Jason. And we didn't get Nora saying anything about Jason and all that. So, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Cool. So that brings us to Queen Karishma, who <laughs> wasn't really in this episode, but I I really like Karishma. Like, I, I think I've had mm-hmm. this opinion the whole time, but she's a good character. Very, like, very fun in her, like, bitterness almost. Um, yeah so feels very unique we've not seen a character edited like her or just like her just occupies an interesting unique position on this season Mm -hmm. no i agree and like she's somebody who's always gonna be like pretty fun um Mm -hmm. and like i don't know to me she like the thing with karishma is it doesn't feel like her story is over yet like it really feels like um she could reinvigorate herself completely um so i'm interested to see where that goes yeah, I think she's in it for a while. I really don't have high hopes of her winning. No. But yeah, I feel like I was predicting her to go during the pre-merge still. I thought that's where the story would end. But now that it hasn't, it really feels like, especially the way the boot was discussed, where it was Dean or Nora, Karishma mm-hmm. really integrated herself in and is now some part of this. Um, yeah, I'm telling with- you, low-key, most underrated game, Karishma. Uh, Karishma? She knows... Yeah, she knows okay. how to suck up to the uh, the powers of B. Like, um, that's true. Yes, like she replaced Nora. <laughs> well, I don't know if Nora ever had a spot to begin with. Okay, true, true, true. true. <laughs> but like, still, like, I don't know. Krishna every time is like, like she sucks up to Missy and Missy protects her. She sucks up to Kelly. Kelly protects her. It's a trend. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it happens once, and you're like, oh, fluke. Happens twice. You have to consider it as a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the kind of game that will make it far and will never get rewarded, yes. unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. That. Like People will take credit for her success. And, all that. Mm-hmm. and obviously, she's not playing one of the better games. It's just people really hate Karishma and really dig into her. She still deserves more credit. Yeah. So speaking of which, um, someone who isn't getting enough credit, even though she's getting a lot of credit, Kelly. <laughs> um, like I said earlier, Missy I have is my number two favorite on this cast. Kelly is has transcended to like a top five favorite of all time for me. Like perfect character. She's so funny. She's so interesting. Like the way that she went up to Dean, it was like, I have an idol. And like, want to make a big, like, and like, 
so charming but then also mm-hmm. like that scene of that they left in which to me is why kelly is the most likely to win this game uh where they kept in her thinking like crunching the numbers in her head and be like oh my goodness oh my goodness what if i gave him the idol and like you just get that like four second pause they cut that i think if she like I, like deep in my heart i think they cut that if she doesn't win um hmm. but it was brilliant this was out like all-star unforgettable episode for kelly right right yeah it was the episode i predicted for our last episode <laughs> i was like one of jamal or jack going home is really good for she's going to you said she's going to bring up her idol i was like yep and she's going to play it to save someone i think i said nora weirdly and that all backfired but still presented very great for kelly she just looks awesome coming out of this. Obviously, number one contender. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it is like to me, it's Tommy and Callie, and I don't like Janet next. But yeah, like, it's just a mess after that. Yeah, Kelly and Tommy have like ridiculous amount of it, and I, like all the win equity. Um, and I'm so happy about that because if Kelly's the winner, God dang, this story's been well told. Um, like everything that we said in the story section applies to Kelly. Um. In a really interesting way, too. Um, I love the way she thinks about the game. I think she's playing a very high-level strategic game. Um, and that's the thing. I just I am so high on her and her ability to do well in the game. I trust her strategic instincts. And just, I don't know. I really just think that the sky's the limit for her. And yeah, like basically your call was spot on last week. Where she just gets this glowing episode. Mm-hmm. And that's really dang good for her. She is, I mean, we've seen it to some extent with other people, but she has now twice when the um, Island of the Idols person has come back, like mentioned it and said, oh, it's good that this is happening or it's great that Nora didn't blow my cover. Like she's very tied to that theme and I think really good ways. She's learning from the themes. Um, Just really good connection to the stories. And I think Mm -hmm. that is what, outweighs my one concern which i talked about with tommy is is kelly getting an edit that is different from the way she would be edited thus far in the game probably not yeah i think the connection to the stories is really important there because the way it's being presented through these lenses lenses yeah uh is in a in accordance with the stories here but you do see like this is not like you can't edit kelly differently in this episode to explain what she did. I mean, you can cut out her thinking or um, points like that, but I feel like you could almost say all of this has been, all of Kelly's edit so far has been building to this. I mean, there is that part with Dan, but that can easily be treated if she's making the merge. I don't know. These are just my concerns with Kelly, and I think now it's coming from a point where, like, Kelly is the obvious front runner. Yeah. It's like, is this too obvious here? Yeah, it's, to hot take, Kelly's way more of a, like, if you're going to call it a distraction, looks way more like a distraction than Tommy, but mm-hmm. um, if the idea of a distraction even exists. But um, another thing I just want to add to what, like, all everything you're saying 100%, um, every other idol has been edited very softly and poorly. Chelsea basically gets nothing. She just finds it and is like, oh, crap, gets voted out with it, right? Like, we've seen a number of people get like these super uncelebratory idol scenes and then get voted out or Jamal misplays it. So there's now no idols left in the game come the merge, right? Like there's literally none. 
<laughs> Kelly is the only one. Her idol is edited super positively. She plays it correctly. It's the only one that's happened this season of like yeah. eight people or whatever. Like that's a dr- drum uh, hyperbole, but that's a huge difference. And it's yeah. something that we've always noted in this podcast is like Wendell finds an idol and it's like the celebration of uh, his girlfriend. at home, it's happy birthday present. And then like um, someone else, like Michael finds an idol. It's just like, oh, he found an idol. <laughs> Did you know that? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think with the other idols, there was this era of almost like you could tell they were not going to get played right. Like mm-hmm. you could tell something was going to happen. Kelly's almost like, like it was under edited. Like she didn't mention it all the time. And then it came out when it needed to. And it made total sense. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting that this episode didn't even let you take any stance, any perspective other than Kelly's. Mm-hmm. Last week we were complaining that um, for some reason it gives Elaine's advantage credit to Aaron for nothing. Like he flipping or not. And it puts the ball in his hands. This one yeah. it was Dean is not leaving the game. Everybody's going to. And you know that because you see Kelly give it to him and say, play it. And you trust like you don't. There's not Dean being like, am I going to play it or not? It's we know Dean's playing it. Mm-hmm. We know someone's going home. We don't know who. That's where they put the mystery. Really. Yeah. But it's all you... what Kelly decided. Like, yes. Kelly is the swing vote in her own idol blind side. And obviously, <laughs> like, there are other ways to edit this. You could edit as Dean be so likable that uh, he schmoozes Kelly into giving him the idol. Um, you could make it Kelly stupidly gives the idol because she has a crush on Dean. You could. Or like, Kelly's just considering it. And it's like, mm. I don't know if I'll do this or not. And yeah. Yeah. No, that's actually the most likely, right? Like, she's like, I don't know, should I or not? And it inherently makes you question her decision, right? Like, you yeah. leave the episode and you're like, oh, should she have done it or not? Versus, oh, like, this is edited from her perspective. Mm-hmm. She knows she's giving it away. And she has a brief moment of like, oh, no, it could go wrong. But I don't think so. I think it's brilliant. Really good for her. Really good storytelling. Uh, a Kelly win, I think, is the best story for the season, like bar none. And I think it's a very realistic possibility. Yeah. I mean, the way we are seeing the season right now, it just that is the way it needs to go. And I think sometimes I worry that maybe we just totally misread the stories and it's supposed to veer another path. But I feel like this reading, we're thinking Kelly. Yeah. And if it's not Kelly, I feel like we're greatly wrong in some way. Like, does that make sense? Like, unless Tommy, like, I can still see how it fits together with Tommy. But like, if it's anyone else, it just feels like we didn't read the season the way the editors wanted us to. See, I I don't know, like, maybe it's arrogant, but I do. Every single time I watch this, these episodes, the new episode is airing. And my girlfriend who watched like listen to the show and everything is like, oh, my God, Dan, you like you called it like like what the like what we're saying, the stories pops up again, right? Like. Mm-hmm. very directly i feel like that happened this week like dan's whole epidemic over there completely no for no what we're saying right like things that we're expecting i think continuously happen because i think we have kind of hit the narrative i think if it's like janet wins or something it's it means that we got the predominant narrative but we got it the wrong like who it was for mm-hmm. yeah and like that's fair like it's easy to overjudge that right like the, the story can always be like the negative like it could always be kelly lost because she was on a grapple with the pressures that this other stuff caused but um i know it's super good for kelly um mm-hmm. and I, th- I think there's a good chance she wins i would put money on it 
Um, and like she's easily my favorite. So there's probably a little bias there. Um, I don't know. <laughs> she's not my favorite, but I, who is your favorite? I mean, like probably Nora. Mm. Like w- just Janet is also perfect. Like I don't know Kelly. Like I like Kelly a lot. It's just it's not like quite the archetype. I think, but I'm going for more char- like absolute characters. Like I don't care if they're not playing the best. Uh, shall we segue to Nora? Yes. <laughs> uh, Nora, just an amazing character episode for her. Like her cackle at Tribal Council. Once again, like the editors are now struggling to edit around her as she turns to people in Tribal Council and talks to them specifically. Like more than anyone else, I think. She just is having conversations with people as opposed to answering just questions. Just yeah. a great character. <sighs> not winning (laughs) (laughs) you don't think so (laughs) like i have her high on the list but i think that's like bias like as high as she is which is like listen i'll put her number one every week if it means there's a chance (laughs) (laughs) like i'm so glad we're gonna get to see her in the merge and just go from there and you know there's just gonna be moments like Hmm. but i think a bad thing for nora she did not get to reflect on jason (laughs) at all it's just and it's just so funny to like think like that is the like could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. But like I mean, that's a pretty bad thing for Nora is that like her main catalyst for why she's still here in the game leaving, like she has nothing to say about that. Yep. Pretty bad. Pretty dang bad. <laughs> yeah, it's kinda unforgivable. And at this point, her story is kind of confusing. She's somebody yeah. who speaks her mind, but she's almost used as I feel like they are telling kind of a sophisticated they're walking like a tightrope right like nor is what happens when you go a little too far in the uh women's alliance or um speaking your mind thing like it wants you to speak your mind but not Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like she's like the uh like ghost of christmas past kind of yeah or she's just like used as an example to be like this is like not the right way to do it like still like nor as a person but she is approaching this in the incorrect way Mm -hmm. instead look at janet or kelly yeah that example no, I 100% agree. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Nora, I could see her going actually kind of deep. I mean, it's hard to imagine voting her out. Like, <laughs> why? Yeah, she hits that. Uh, maybe she's so unlikable, but I don't want to, like, I don't want to doubt, doubt that. You know what I mean? I think she will go far because of the theme. Mm-hmm. Well, she's just too chaotic, I guess. But yep. yeah, I guess that's yep. Nora. Yep, she makes it to the end, and then she re- is the Philip Shepard we all wanted. She's like, yeah, she's like... But- Which she was... I didn't mention... I said I was going to mention this, but she was weirdly competent. She played that tribal council very well. Yeah. Like, just... And I don't know. She Her answers to Jamal, they could have been a little better, but it was pretty, like... I'm not outright playing that I wanted to get you out, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, more competent than... I think the last few episodes would have us believe. I agree. So yeah, that brings us to Jack, who basically, uh, as we can look back, was shown as too likable to exist, basically. Yeah. I mean, this whole story sort of is this, I'm a likable guy, and oh, my ally went home, but if I be likable, that's the right path to move forward. And in the end, it was not. Mm -hmm. It was too likable to exist. Yep. And yeah, I mean... I think we'll probably see Tommy reflect on it. That's my guess. Um, be like, oh no, Jamal's here instead of Jack. Grr. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like basically we've talked about his uh, kind of 
journeyman for the season uh, through this podcast. Basically, I think they really liked him. He's a capable player. He's kind of a shock pre-merge boot, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, my hand was over my mouth. Same. For, like, a good 30 seconds. I thought it was brilliant that how they showed him to just be such a good dude in this episode. And he's like, hey, Jamal, I think you should let Kelly do it. Um, like mm-hmm. They really were like, look how great this guy is. And Kelly's going to rip his throat out. Like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's how. That's honestly how you edit someone like Jack. I think, like, I think they, like, uh, in hindsight, brilliant story that they told us, Jack. It's not what I expected, but very good. No, I mean, we've had, I had this person as my top contender for three episodes. Mm-hmm. And somehow this, like, him going here just feels like a great, like, a nice bow on the pre-merge. Like, such yep. a great pre-merge. And that, like, everything, like, not everything, that's, but... Lead up to this point, it still makes sense. Like, this narrative is so together and cogent. Like, I get why this happened, and I get why this group of 13 people is going into the merge. So, yep, I agree. So, I mean, for me, my winner is I'm putting Kelly number one, Tommy number two. Yeah. I mean, I have it that way. I think I will count Tommy as a contender. And then after that, it is just a mess. Yeah, like, same contact me tomorrow and i'll tell you a different story about anyone three and below yeah for me i'm going 50 percent on kelly 40 percent on tommy five on janet and five to anyone else <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's how i'm kind of reading it like it's janet's a possibility and then there's these two juggernauts above and yeah go from there yeah uh, the merge boot i think is gonna be aaron um i kind of want to think it's missy that's also possible I think it's possible that they're targeting Missy. She wins immunity. Aaron goes. That's possible. Elaine, I think, also is weirdly. Elaine's possible. Dan is possible. I think if he's going to get removed, it's going to be relatively soon. Mm. So, I feel like that is a mid-merge. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I guess, like, the Shireen thing in World's Part was, like, Final 9, eh? Mm. And Something I, like that, yeah. I hate that they have the same name, because it's, like, it ties it to that. And I Well, that was Will Sims. Oh, true. But like I'm, I'm, I'm always thinking of Dan Foley. Yeah, you're guy. always thinking of Dan Foley. <laughs> Jay Chapman, nine thousand. Uh, that's good for me. So <laughs> good way to end the show. So that's our show. The winner edit at gmail.com is our contact address. Uh, new episodes on Sundays this week, sometimes Saturdays. Um, on all major podcast catchers, uh, review us on iTunes. Send us nice messages on Reddit. We post them on uh, Reddit, and we love that you're listening. If mm-hmm. you want, you can follow me at Danny Kills Bees and Joe at uh, J Chapman Nine Thousand. I accidentally retweeted a Death Stranding video, and I didn't know how to delete it, and it was very weird. So that's where I'm at on Twitter. But sometimes this... I make good posts about like Kelly's strategy and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he he makes good <laughs> tweets. Follow up. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's our show. Peace out. Yeah. See you next week.